Welcome to today's Community Cast. My name is Matt Morgan. I'm the pastor at Community Brookside, a new church plant in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We are so blessed by your presence, and we hope that today's content will bring you joy. All right, friends, we are finishing up our sermon series called Journey Towards Redemption. I want to open up this morning with the story of resurrection. If you have a Bible, it's going to be found in John chapter 20. If you don't, it's going to be on the screen so you can follow along here. But hear now the words of resurrection. Let's read this together. Scripture says for us today, early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one who Jesus loved, and said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they've put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and he looked at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Now, Mary stood outside the tomb crying, and as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the feet. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you're looking for? Thinking that he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me for I have not yet ascended to my father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. On the evening of that first day of the week when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Friends, Jesus is alive Thank you, all the way back in the back, thanks. (laughs) Guys, I don't know if that means much to you, but Jesus is alive. He was dead, but now has risen from the dead. His resurrection changes everything for us. The word resurrection means that something that has died has literally come back to life. And this is not something that we see very often, is it? A person that lives, then dies, and then has a second chance at life again? That's a miracle, right? It's the greatest of miracles. We come to this place this morning celebrating resurrection to celebrate Jesus' second chance at life. And we celebrate the fact that through his resurrection, we are each promised the same thing. That we also get a second chance. When our mortal bodies finally give out, we will have a second chance to be with God, but this time for all eternity. And I'm so thankful that we serve a God of second chances. 
So as all of you guys know, here at Community Brookside, Easter is one of our busiest seasons. It's a week filled with excitement. You're welcome. So we start the week with a barbecue, and then we have a Good Friday service and an Easter egg hunt, and then our Easter morning sunrise service. And now, you know, here at 11 o'clock, we started this morning. And throughout the week, we use scores of volunteers to do all the fun and amazing things that we do. But the crazy thing is, the first year that I was appointed to start our church here in Brookside, I knew we had to do something different, right? So do you guys know the word Maundy Thursday? Have you heard this before? Some of you might have heard it referred to as Holy Thursday. So that's the day that Jesus sits down with his disciples and they celebrate uh, the Passover feast together and Jesus changes the meaning of Passover. What's important about that day is that a lot of times uh, churches will spend time washing feet, right? Jesus, who was God and also servant, sat down and washed his disciples' feet. And then scripture says that they ate a meal together and they sang hymns together and they spent time, I, I bet, telling fun stories and probably dad jokes because, you know, what meal is complete without dad jokes, right? And so here I am, a new pastor appointed to start a church in Brookside. We don't have a building. We literally have mud as far as the eye can see from the front of the sidewalk all the way back to the parking lot. There's nothing but puddles of mud. There was literally a hole where the basement had been of Trinity United Methodist Church. And I decided that, you know what? We're going to have a barbecue. Jesus spent time eating with his disciples. I love having food, just any food, really. And I know that some of my best conversations I've ever had have been over a meal. So the first year that I was appointed here, it was 2017. And instead of having scores of volunteers, it was me by myself cooking meat all day long with a little sign kind of taped to my smoker that said free barbecue at seven. And I cannot tell you how many people question free barbecue, right? So here we are in Peoria. I've got smoke rolling down all the street and, uh, and people are stopping by. What do you mean free? Well, what does free mean to you, right? But no, what's the catch? Everybody wants to know what the catch is. There's no catch. Just come and eat dinner with me at seven o'clock. I was there all day by myself trying to convince passerbys to uh, enjoy dinner with me that night. And throughout the day, it rained a couple of times. And by that evening, I had set up a canopy and had my smoker underneath the canopy. And when it came time to serve food at 7 o'clock, there was like 70 people who showed up to have free barbecue with me underneath this tent. And that evening, six years ago this week, I had an opportunity to hear one of the greatest stories of second chances I've ever heard in my life. That very special Monday, Thursday, a few years ago, I got to sit with strangers at this barbecue feast. We got a chance to know some folks, to hear stories of the folks who lived in this neighborhood, some who drove all the way from Owasso because they heard there was free barbecue in Brookside. But one of the greatest stories I heard was a man who I saw. He was clearly in his 60s. He was dressed from top to bottom in all leather and Harley Davidson gear, long hair, floppy mustache. I knew he was a biker, right? And when I asked him what his name was, he introduced himself as Hippie. So if you know anything about me, you know I like a good story and I wanted to know why this man's name was Hippie. So I said, hey, how did you get that name? 
and Hippie began to share his story with me. When Hippie was a young boy, he had a very different name, but he refused to tell me what it was. He said that he was just a regular kid, average boy. His parents took him to church. He had friends. He worked on motorcycles. He loved riding. But eventually, Hippie started to hang out with the wrong crowd and got to be around people who influenced him in a very negative way. Hippie soon left church, left his home. And not only did he stop going to church, but he stopped believing that the church had anything that he, that he could benefit from. He lost his faith. Eventually, he called himself an atheist. And from the time that Hippie was a teenager until his mid-50s, he had nothing to do with God. He believed there was no God. Bad decision after bad decision led Hippie to become a member of the outlaw motorcycle gang. These bikers are notorious arch enemies of the world-famous motorcycle gang, Hell's Angels. And if you don't know anything about the Outlaws gang, you can understand just everything you need to know by the gang's motto. The gang's motto is, God forgives, Outlaws don't. Eventually, as a member of this gang, Hippie had done some pretty incredible things that caused members of a rival gang to try to find him and kill him. When they couldn't find him, they eventually found his wife. One day when Hippie came home, he found that his wife had been brutally murdered. And as I was listening to him tell his story, this man who was tough, right? Tough as nails, started to cry. His heart was broken. It was a sight that I could never forget. Even in his late 60s, he was dealing with hurt that wasn't healed. He said, Matt, I jumped on my bike and I did the only thing I knew to do. I left. He rode his motorcycle from Bangor, Maine, all the way down to Nicaragua, which I didn't know you could do, but apparently you can. And from that point on, he didn't go into any specifics, but he said that the ride changed him somehow. That on that ride, through working through the issues that he struggled with, working through the death of his wife and best friend, Somehow on that ride, he found God again. He felt it was almost like he had been resurrected himself. He had to run away from the man that he had become in Maine, and he started his life all over again. And in that moment, he changed his whole identity. He would never be called his childhood-given name ever again and would just go by the name Hippie. The pain that he experienced all throughout his life, somehow on that ride was gone. It was like he'd been given a second chance. And I don't know about you guys, but I am so thankful that we serve a God of second chances. Being able to sit with people again this week, along with our tons of volunteers, I was able to again listen to stories of folks who spoke out about how thankful they were that we were able to be there to spend time with them. Some of these folks that came to eat with us had nowhere to sleep that night. The barbecue that they got on Thursday was the only meal they had gotten that day. While I got to meet some of our neighbors, I heard stories not too dissimilar from hippies. Folks who had made mistakes, folks who had been lucky enough to find Jesus in the midst of their pain and come back to a faith that was vital and alive. I got another chance to listen to people's stories that reminded me of the importance of how, he, how a healing male with friends 
It's something that we should all search for. That first Holy Thursday evening so long ago, Jesus and his disciples sat down at the Passover meal together. Jesus sat with his friends who, by the way, were tax collectors and fishermen, zealots, people who were religious, almost crazy folks, right? And he even sat down with the man who would betray him. And before dinner, he was willing to wash their feet. And at dinner, he laughed with them. He loved them. But before the meal was over, Jesus looked at his friends and he told them that he was going to have to die so that God's plan could be fulfilled. If you remember anything about that story on the Last Supper, Peter speaks up and he says, whoa, 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 whoa. Jesus, I, I don't think you have to do that, but even if you were going to die, I'd be willing to follow wherever you go. Jesus, I would lay my life down for you. Jesus looks at his best friend, Peter, right? And he says, that's not how it's going to work, Peter. Before this night's over, you're going to betray me three different times. What? Oh, no, not me, Jesus. I love you. Later that night, as Jesus spent time praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was arrested. Peter, along with all the other disciples, fled the scene, leaving Jesus on his own. Jesus was right. Peter, along with the rest of the disciples, abandoned him. And we could pick up the story of pre-resurrection moments where, where Jesus speaks to Peter again, where, where Peter recognizes that he's done wrong. We can pick up that story in Luke 22, verses 54 through 62. And here's what scripture says. Then seizing him, they led him away. And we're talking about Jesus into the house of the high priest. Now, Peter followed at a distance. And when some there had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat down with them. A servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, well, this man was with him. But he denied it. Woman, I don't know him, he said. A little later, someone else saw him and said, you are one of them. Man, I am not, Peter replied. About an hour later, another asserted, certainly this fellow was with him, for he is Galilean. Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. Here's what's heartbreaking. Verse 61 says, the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, he will disown me three times. And he went outside and he wept bitterly. Jesus' best friend had denied even knowing who he was. He vehemently rejected the accusation that he was a friend of Jesus. And scripture tells us that Peter was so close to Jesus in that moment that Jesus looked right at him. So the implication there is that Jesus heard his best friend deny even knowing who he was. Could you imagine the heartache that Jesus felt? My best friend is doing exactly what I knew was going to happen. Doesn't make it any less painful, does it? And Peter looks up and makes eye contact with Jesus as Jesus is arrested. And he knew he screwed up. He goes away from the crowd and he weeps bitterly. 
One of the last memories that Peter has of Jesus while Jesus was still alive is making eye contact with the Savior of the world and denying that they were even friends. I couldn't imagine the guilt and the shame that goes along with such a moment. And as the days continued on, I couldn't imagine how much guilt would just stick with Peter. But I'm sure that one moment outside from the crowd was not the only time that Peter wept. I'm sure that the weight of Jesus' death, knowing that he had rejected Christ in his last moments and that Jesus overheard that rejection would have been a feeling that Peter would not have easily gotten over. And so I want you to think about that. How often is that our story too, right? How often have we rejected Jesus in one way or another? How often do we reject the call of Jesus to love like he did? How often do we fail at doing what Jesus did? How often do we treat people terribly or use language that would make Jesus blush? How often do we not look at all like the Savior we say we love? And sometimes when we make these mistakes, when we sin or we get life wrong, we often, because we've all gotten so used to our own shortcomings, we don't even begin to feel guilty about it anymore. That's just another day, just another thing to add to my list of sins in my life. No big deal. We live in this sort of dispassionate, blasé place where our mistakes don't mean anything to us anymore. Unless our sin is big, right? Whatever is big enough to make a difference in us. And we don't really care about the sacrifice of Jesus. We don't care about resurrection until the consequences of our sin come home to roost, right? Then in those moments, when we have to deal with repercussions that are huge, only then do we call out to Jesus, I'm so sorry for the person I've been, forgive me. We live our lives like Peter did in those moments. We reject a Jesus who loves us. But friends, I'm here to tell you the hope of the gospel, right? After Jesus was crucified and had risen and met his disciples and shown them his hands and his feet, Jesus goes away again from them for an undisclosed amount of time. We don't know. And because Jesus is gone for a while, the disciples go... Try to do something they know what to do, right? So they go fishing. I would probably have done the same thing. They go back to the life they knew before Jesus, so they're all out on a boat, and they spend all night trying to catch fish. And it just so happens they catch nothing all night. And I've been there. It's not a fun feeling. And at the end of the night, the sun is coming up, they're close enough to shore where they can see there's people, there's activity along the bank, and all of a sudden they hear a voice, hey, throw your net on the other side of the boat, guys. Shut up. I don't want to hear that after all night getting skunked, right? But it says they were willing enough to listen that they threw their net on the other side. <coughs> and when they did, they caught so many fish that the nets almost broke, and they go, wait a minute, that feels pretty miraculous to me. And they look, and sure enough, they go, Oh my gosh, it's Jesus on the shore who said that to us. And Peter, who was, let's be clear, when you were fishing in uh, the ancient Middle East, you would often fish relatively in the nude. And so he wraps his coat around him and he jumps into the water and swims as fast as he can to get to the shore. 
He is so excited that Jesus has appeared to him that he does everything he can to get to the shore as fast as he can. And here is where the best part of the story happens. John 21, 15 to 19 says this, when they had finished eating, right? Because Jesus cooked some breakfast for them. Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, son, or Simon, son of John, do you love me? Now, Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Even after Jesus or Peter had turned his back on Jesus, even after Peter had denied knowing who Jesus was, I wasn't with him. I don't know him. He's not my friend. Jesus restored Peter. Jesus forgave Peter and he brought him back into a right relationship with him. Jesus in that moment gave Peter a second chance and calls him to follow. And an even bigger part of the story is that even if Peter would have messed up again, Jesus would have gladly forgiven him again. And through this incredible example, we have an opportunity to see what Jesus teaches us about God, that God desires radical forgiveness, right? We know there's a story in scripture. Well, Jesus, you know, I got a friend and this friend has screwed up and he's messed up. And I, I, listen, I'm willing to forgive him, but I, I'm pretty good, right? And I'll forgive him seven times, Jesus. How does that sound? And Jesus says, that's cute. How about 70 times seven? <gasps> That's a lot of times. Jesus desires radical forgiveness and Jesus offers that same radical forgiveness even to people who turn their back on him. Friends, we serve a God of second chances and third chances and fourth chances. And Easter proves to us once again that our loving and forgiving God won't ever stop forgiving and loving us. All we have to do is repent and ask. The resurrection promises new life through our Savior, and as a result, we are called to tell the whole world about the hope that we have in Jesus. That our new life that is guaranteed for us in Jesus is a result of God's love for us, and that love is available to all people always. So today on this Easter, let us remember that since God has promised us second chances, that we are called to live in response to that gift. Let us today and always be people who not only live into our second chances, but we, may we be people who offer second chances as well. Today and always, 
may we each embrace the new opportunities that God has given us just as Hippie did, just as Peter did, to fully live into the grace that we've all received. May we all be people who willingly offer second chances to others because we have received so many second chances ourselves. Today is Easter. And not just on this day, but always, may we be thankful for the resurrection and the power that through that resurrection is offered to each of us. Thank you so much for joining us on today's Community Cast. We hope that you were blessed by today's conversation. If you'd like to know more about Community Brookside, please feel free to visit us at our website, communitybrookside.com, or find us on your favorite social media outlet. We hope to hear from you soon. Be blessed.